Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'd like to begin this podcast by thanking everyone for um, your continued subscribing and listening to the cast as we are growing and we can only really do it with you, you know, letting people know by word of mouth and keep giving us the great reviews that you have been. So, Father, as we sit here today at the recording, I'm about five weeks away from my marriage and in preparation of that has put a lot of thoughts in my head about some stuff to talk about here today. And one of the things that I wanted to focus on was how to pray as a family, because I've never been in charge of a family before, obviously, and I wanted to just kind of make a conversation about that and see how we can make that a a good system in place to make this work well. So, as always, if you got any initial thoughts about the topic that you want to share to try to guide our conversation. Yeah, well, it's so exciting that your marriage is coming up and that our our listeners have been able to track your progress even through our podcasts, which is fun. And certainly we'll be praying for you. I hope our listeners will also pray for you as you approach that, that beautiful day, a, a central day in your life. And your question really highlights that fact that in a way, everything is different after marriage. You're no longer just Joe. You're now two made one. You're now a family. Now something has has really changed. And so how does that affect your spiritual life? How should that ex- affect your spiritual life? How do you incorporate this, other, this, this new dimension of your life, this new dimension of yourself, starting just with your wife and then expanding, God willing, also to include children? in the future. And uh, it's appropriate you would ask me this question. I just got back from a retreat that was held for families Mm -hmm. and something that we did a number of years ago and took a little hiatus for different reasons and just got going again. And it was wonderful to be with uh, a few, I don't know, 20, 30 families of various sizes, a couple families with, you know, seven or eight children, a couple families newly married with a with a baby in the womb a couple of uh, families that who had young children when we first did this retreat years ago and now have grandchildren their oldest children have have had grandchildren and some of the older children with the grandchildren anyway the point is uh, having a a time like that for a family to be on retreat together can be a beautiful aspect of family prayer that we like to be on retreat, and there's a point to having a personal retreat, just as there's a point to having a personal prayer time. There's also a point to having a family retreat, as there is a point to having family prayer time. And I think to get those different categories in our heads is helpful for developing our spiritual life, uh, for you to develop your spiritual life as a, as a married person in the future, and for our listeners who are married to develop their spiritual lives in that way. And so having, having daily personal prayer continues to be necessary. And I always encourage people, especially people who are married with children, because it's so consuming, 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day is a, is a wonderful thing to strive for, maybe on a weekly basis, taking a little bit more time. I encourage the married couples at this retreat to look for a time that perhaps every week or two they could get a way to have a holy hour individually. And it's wonderful in places where there's an adoration chapel 
to have a a husband who can come home and say, "All right, honey, I'm taking the kids. You're going to make a holy hour. You know, you need that time." Or to commit to an hour of adoration as a couple, and then they trade off. All right, well, it's it's your time to go and spend an hour with Jesus. So having maintaining a personal prayer life continues to be really important. As I said, shooting for 15 to 30 minutes a day, reading scripture, having silent time in prayer, uh, praying a rosary, those kinds of things is really valuable. But then the question of family prayer is also really important. How does our family pray is a good question to ask. And again, there are a number of different factors, so there isn't a one-size-fits-all, and that's something that you have to work out with your wife as well. and there are going to be different ways to do that, but that there is a family prayer, that there is a prayer between spouses is really important. I'll just list a few ideas, and you can take those to heart, Joe, and our listeners can can take them to heart for their own purposes mm-hmm. and working in their own family situation. But uh, a classic way of family prayer is a, is a rosary, to have a rosary as a family. And people do that in different ways. One that I thought was very beautiful, a family I know with five children, they would allow the, they, they would have the rosary after the littlest ones went to bed or were, you know, supposed to go and wash up and whatever else. And so the littlest ones who would be the most distracted and have the hardest time participating in the rosary were kind of excluded, mm-hmm. but that de- developed a desire in them. Like, I can't wait till I'm old enough to participate in the family rosary. You know, so it uh, develops that sense of being included in the prayer, and that's a, a privilege, and it requires a certain level of behavior. And so, anyway, that family prayed the rosary every night after dinner, with few exceptions. And they did that in different ways, had each of the children who were ages, I don't know, maybe 15 down to uh, maybe eight or nine who participated in the rosary, the littlest one, the girl was uh, maybe five or something. Anyway, they uh, had each of the boys lead a decade of the rosary. And so uh, they were able to have an active role in that. But having that daily rosary is is a wonderful way of family prayer. People sometimes find that a little bit too hard. The children are a little too distracted. There's too much other stuff going on. Uh, I like to challenge, push it anyway. See, see what you can do. But it's not. It's certainly not the only way. Uh, another thing that that families can do, and especially married couples together, I really encourage married couples to pray night prayer. It's a very simple, you know, just praying straight through, maybe six or seven minutes doesn't take too long, but it's a wonderful way in prayer to unite with the whole church. That's what the Liturgy of the Hours always does for us, and to end the day with prayer. And sometimes you're more into it, sometimes you're less into it. The thing about the liturgy is, even if you don't have a lot of energy to give, you can still recite the words and uh, move through it. In times that you have maybe a little bit more energy, that could also turn into a spontaneous prayer. Well, let's just add our own personal petitions to our our rosary or to our night prayer, as you would for the rosary. And what's going on in your life? What's going on at work? What's going on in your heart? What's going on in the world? Let's just name some of those petitions. Some people might also feel some comfort in doing some spontaneous prayer, and that's a wonderful thing. Let's just pray out loud 
I'll pray out loud and you listen, you pray out loud and I listen. And you can do that with children as well once they reach a certain point. They can learn some, some little formulas for praying out loud and for listing petitions. Those are wonderful things. Well, let's talk about that because that's one of the things that I really don't think I know how to do well. And I think that would be a good thing to talk about. The spontaneous prayer. Uh, how to pray spontaneously? Well, yeah. the basic thing is just to say out loud what's going on inside. <laughs> okay. It's, a, it's a, not meant to be complicated. What eventually happens is that people find more eloquent words to express things, but you don't need to be eloquent. I mean, dear God, I have this uh, concern in my heart. Please help me with this situation with my job. Please help us to be a holy family. Uh, I really love you, and I'm grateful for the, the love that you show me. I mean, anyway, you, it doesn't need to be complicated, but just finding a way to express from our hearts to the Lord uh, what's going on. And, and the four basic movements of prayer, adoration, contrition or confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication, asking for things. Those four dimensions kind of cover the gamut in terms of the things that we pray about. So just learning to say those things out loud is, uh, is the basis of spontaneous prayer. So that leads to a, a natural follow-up question of that, Father, is with the four, I believe you call them gamuts of prayer, how do, we, how do they work and why are they so important? How does prayer work? Well, no, as far as, as, as why do we emphasis upon those four, being the contrition, the sublimation, and, and why are they important to pull forward whenever we're, we're doing um, prayer out loud? Or I guess prayer just period. Yeah, well, those, those four, you can always remember it with acts, A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Um, just an easy acronym. The, they really are the only four dimensions of prayer, so it's not about them being important or not important. I would okay. challenge you to uh, find another uh, dimension of prayer that's not included there. You can fit any kind of prayer into those four categories. Our danger is that we tend to focus uh, too much on supplication, asking for things, mm -hmm. and expanding to those other categories of prayer of realizing that God has provided things, so I should be thankful, that I've failed to carry through with things, so I should be sorry and confess that, and that God is good in himself, and that's why that's, there's a certain order even to adoration, or confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, that uh, we really want to start with adoration just telling God how good he is and how much we love him is a good place to start in prayer. He's not a, a holy slot machine that I, or a holy vending machine that I stick my prayer in and I get my stuff out. You know, we don't want to fall into reducing God in that, in that kind of way. But starting with adoration is especially helpful because it reminds us who he is as God and what a blessing it is that he's revealed himself to us and that we can even take his name on our lips and that we can speak to him is amazing. And he's so good to us. And so just acknowledging all of those things is, is so helpful as a, 
as a dimension of prayer. But being aware of all four of those dimensions, it's a good check on ourselves. Am I leaving something out? Have I lost gratitude? Have I, have I forgotten that I'm a sinner? <laughs> and do I act like I've got it all together? You know, do I recognize that God also has mercy for me? So, so th- that makes sense. So whenever, like, what it came to my mind during that was the Mass, and, and particularly with the way you are saying about adoration being important, and I'm assuming that's the logic behind why the Gloria is towards the beginning of the Mass. Because, unless I'm missing something, that's essentially what the Gloria is, is a prayer of adoration. Yeah, which also actually includes dimensions of thanksgiving and uh, supplication and confession. Uh, Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Right? And it's part of the Gloria. So, there's a lot going on in the in the Gloria, but certainly the we praise you, we adore you, we bless you, we glorify you. Those are all expressions of adoration. And so the Gloria is very, really a very robust prayer. And as it's developed in the Roman Rite, the whole, the whole prayer there, the, the beginning point, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. That's the words of the angels in, uh, when they announce the, the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest. And so they have that adoration and then also that supplication, peace to people of goodwill. And so anyway, there's, there, there's different aspects there. But you're right. The Mass includes all four of these dimensions of prayer. And so before we say the Gloria, we actually have a, an act of contrition. Mm-hmm. We confess our sins to God. We ask for his mercy. And that's a part of it. The Mass itself is all an act of thanksgiving. And we have our petitions in there, and we ask for different things in supplication. So yeah, the Mass is, is a wonderful prayer, in including all of those dimensions. Okay, so two follow-up questions from that, and and I don't know if these are, are worthwhile or not, but the first one that came to me was, it's a prayer, obviously, the Mass, but at the end of the day, why is some of it sung and why is some of it read? So there's a question I've always had. Like sometimes even the priest will sing the gospel. Why is that? Well, what's your experience of singing as opposed to reading? There's there's something solemn about singing, right? There's a, it's something a little bit more special. In regular everyday language, everyday encounters, we recite things. You and I are not singing to each other, for example, but lovers sing to each other. And there's a dimension of serenading God in our prayer that we like to sing things. St. Augustine is often quoted as saying, he who sings prays twice. There's something elevated about singing. And so, I would say that the the fullest form of the Mass is with everything sung. Now, if you always had the fullest form of the Mass that way, then you wouldn't have things more special on one day than on on another day. And so Mm -hmm. we also have recited Masses that are less solemn, and we have sung Masses that are more solemn, and then we have mixtures in between. Now, sometimes the reason the priest doesn't sing is just because he can't sing. (laughs) So... (laughs) Well, that's its own issue. 
that uh, we try to work through in seminary by having everybody do a lot of singing to be able to sing as best as they can and be comfortable with that so that they can celebrate the fullness of the Mass on occasions like Christmas and Easter and Pentecost and special feast days and those kinds of things. And they can just recite the, the words of the Mass in a reverent and prayerful way on other less solemn days. See, I guess I never really thought of that, about that being that an extra step of being more solemn there. That's interesting. Um, so uh, so that answers that question. The, the other question I had, which kind of goes back to when we were talking about one of the forms of prayer being adoration, and my thought with that basically is, is and this might be coming from totally the wrong direction, was that, there's no other way to cut it. God is better than us. So how can someone who's lower on the ring give adoration to someone who's higher? And that might just be a flawed way of asking the question or thinking of it, but that's the question nonetheless. Well, I think um, maybe you're mixing adoration and honor I don't know if a lesser can bestow honor on a greater, although I, that's probably possible too. But, but the basic thing is that uh, God wants us. In fact, uh, he he welcomes our our adoration in the sense that it's good for us to recognize how good He is. So He's delighted in the things that this does for us. I just heard a beautiful story. Uh, from a, a prayer course, I think that's actually the website prayercourse.org, and it's put on by the Alpha, whatever folks. And the the teacher, who is a married man, several children, told the story of uh, having taken his children out to celebrate, and they went to you know some place where all the children would have fun things to play with made me think of uh, Chuck E. Cheese you know all these video games and they get there and and the dad says you know go go uh, run play enjoy all these games and all the kids run out and then one of them comes back and the dad's been working a lot recently and had finally finished a project that was the occasion of the family celebration and the one little boy comes back and he he climbs up into his dad's arms and he says Daddy, I really missed you. It's so nice to be with you. Hmm. It's beautiful. And he, he'd use that as a, to just give us a picture of what adoration is like. Adoration is saying that God is worthy of my time, that God is good in himself. You know, and, the, and he said he was so touched by that. He didn't expect any of the children. He wanted them to go and enjoy themselves. He didn't need for them to come back and tell him how much they loved him. But it meant something to him. Nobody forced that little boy to tell his father how much he loved him. And God doesn't force us to tell him how much we love him. But it's so wonderful when we do that. And God appreciates it, and it's good for us as well. So that's another way to say adoration is just really telling God that we love him. That makes a whole lot of sense there, Father. And something that I think that that analogy really kind of captures it, something that I really hadn't thought of before. Sure, there's a lot of things in, in this regards that I haven't thought about the more that, that we dive into. And I remember from a prior conversation that that you were doing a book based upon prayer. 
and I'm sure that there's a lot out there that I haven't fully gotten to yet so I wanted to see if there's kind of a shortcut to take us further down that road that we should ultimately be getting to that we should look out for and and focus on it as as we're we're glowing closer in prayer um, as individuals and as a family well you ask such nice open-ended questions Joe and I think it's uh, worth just returning to your first question about family prayer and other elements of family prayer and uh, I mentioned the importance of having some family prayer I mentioned doing a rosary together mentioning some petitions, some concerns together. There's a lot of good that happens in that. Uh, some ways that we can pray the Liturgy of the Hours together. It's not too complicated, especially night prayer. I think it's uh, simple and straightforward and very easy to follow. It's nice to be united with the Church's prayer in that way. There are other ways of having family prayer. Going to an adoration chapel, I mentioned spouses supporting each other and doing that, for example, but children also can go to an adoration chapel and just be silent there with Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. Something very beautiful about that, just to take that time in silent prayer, silent adoration with Jesus, and then to do that together as a family, even though everybody has their own individual prayer, the fact that they're going there together has a way of uniting them. And so whether as a married couple or as a family with children or parents, one or the other parents with the children. It's a beautiful way of coming together in prayer. Of course, I, I shouldn't neglect the fact that uh, the Sunday Mass is obviously a way of family prayer. And there again, there can be some challenges if one of the children is sick or maybe it's a, a lot to handle. Sometimes parents will divide up and one will go with a couple of children, the other will go with a couple of children. And uh, it's not ideal to split up the family. Necessity being what it is, at least everybody is getting there. But I think just the goal of going as a family as much as possible, to, to the, certainly to Sunday Mass, even sometimes to daily Mass. I know a lot of stay-at-home mothers, uh, especially homeschooling mothers, who take all their children to Mass every day. And that's a wonderful thing. So it's a, a way of praying together. I think uh, Pope Benedict gave the example of how his father would gather the family around on Saturday evening. That's when Sunday began for them, Saturday evening. And he gathered the family around and he read the readings for Mass for the next day. And then the missal, the, the, uh, the book for Mass, mm -hmm. in those days uh, for the private person was also had a little commentary in the German version of this uh, explaining some of the readings. So he would read the readings, he would read an explanation, and then he would lead the family in a little discussion about the readings. And we can see the fruits of that with Pope Benedict XVI and Father Georg Ratzinger, the two boys of that family, uh, who both became wonderful priests and with a great love for the Word and how deeply they were formed by those experiences of prayer. So that's uh, another beautiful form of family prayer, just to read the reads for Mass and discuss them, share with each other about them. Um, so, again, just a, a few different examples of, of how to carry out family prayer. Other devotional prayers, like the Divine Mercy Chaplet, it's a wonderful way to pray as a family. It's a little bit shorter than the Rosary, a little more simple, mm -hmm. and can be a wonderful way to pray. The Angelus 
is another beautiful devotional prayer that's very rich in its content uh, and can be prayed multiple times a day, but might be a good thing for a family to pray before the kids go off to school. It only takes uh, a minute and a half, two minutes. You know, it's a very simple prayer, but there's something about stopping and doing these things explicitly, doing them out loud and doing them together that really makes a difference. And it's like that with a... You asked about spontaneous prayer or these different dimensions of prayer. What difference does it make if we say it out loud? Well, we tend to be a little more committed to things when we say them out loud. It's nice to say, well, that thought passed through my mind. It's another thing to say, I express that out loud to God in the presence of witnesses. Mm -hmm. And it takes more, there's a more concrete act of freedom, a stronger expression when we do that. And so having these moments of prayer these experiences of prayer throughout the day, doing it out loud and doing it together is really makes such a difference in deepening the unity of the family and also raising each of the hearts of the people in the family to God better. Okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Especially the part of of, of doing it out loud where, you know, exactly as you said, where you can sit back and, and think of all kinds of stuff but there's times that you dismiss thoughts because maybe it was a bad idea or not a bad idea. And I think that one of the things that you've kind of presented throughout this cast here today was that even though we're talking to to God the whole time, there's ways that are more effective. Your word was more solemn. So that at the end of the day, and again, you can correct me if I'm misinterpreting this, but singing is higher than reading which is higher than thinking so with that being said how do we strive to always being the best and also element of that was having witnesses so even when we're by ourselves how do we strive to to get to, to that next level yeah and I don't want to make it sound like uh, everybody should be singing their prayer all the time. <laughs> there's a there's a point to personal silent prayer. Uh, there's Silence is an essential part of the Mass. It's actually prescribed in the Mass that before the opening prayer, that after the homily, that after Holy Communion, that we actually have a period of silence. Being in silence together is an important part of prayer because not everything can be expressed in words. We also need to do some listening. It's one way to say that. And there's a way that we give our hearts that we can't put into words. And so it's not that singing is great and, you know, or, or silence is good and singing is better or something like that. They both have their place. Uh, but, yeah, there's a certain solemnity to, uh, you know, I'm. How do, you, how do you celebrate a birthday? Well, it's nice to have cake. And then we sort of get that cake is good on other occasions too. But the best is not that we have cake all the time. <laughs> cake also needs to be in proper proportions at the right times as part of a celebration. And we could say singing is something like that too. It's a, a little extra uh, sweetness on top of the, the normal uh, fare for our communication with God. So uh, doing what the church does in terms of liturgical prayer is is the best thing we can do. And 
part of the balance of the church is having singing and silence and things recited and uh you know so we we get that balance right in terms of liturgy in terms of our personal prayer and time at home uh it can be nice to sing a little hymn before the rosary it unites hearts and minds and voices in a wonderful way if you have a musical family that family i mentioned that prays the rosary every day uh they they also are very talented musically, and at the end of the rosary, they sang a little Marian hymn. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I loved it. So anyway, uh, getting a, a, a right balance of those things is uh, is always good. Well, I definitely thank you for that, Father. I think that there's a lot of good information that they came today, and hopefully for everyone out there listening, that it that it helps you guys as well. I know that it certainly helped me. So one of the things I want to let everyone know that in addition to requesting you guys to keep giving us the good reviews and letting your friends know about it, now we do have a Twitter account. It's very simple, at Father and Joe. And we ask that you uh, follow us and, and give us some retweets as we'll be letting you know when is coming up with future podcasts and when they'll be being released. So we thank you all. I, I thank you, Father, for helping us do this cast today and every time. And uh, I look forward to talking to you with our next one.